Glad you guys are with us today as we continue our series, Ready or Not. In this series, we're learning that we don't have to fear change because change isn't in charge. God is. And today, I want to talk to you about how you can actually use the change that's happening in the world around you to make you more like Christ. Bottom line, we don't have to fear change because we can capitalize on the change that's happening around us. Before I jump into today's talk, I do want to give you a quick family update on a couple of things. You know, church isn't just something you attend or an event that you're a part of. Church is a family. This isn't just a place where you come to hear great music and decent teaching. This is a place where you come to be a part of a community. And so as a family, we've got some exciting news to share today. First thing is this. We have had a member in our Port Lavaca family make a generous offer to match $130,000 worth of giving to the Port Lavaca Building Fund. Amazing. Through the generosity of one person, all of our generosity will be doubled. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you, Parkway Church, let's reach that $130,000 goal between now and January 26th. Let's reach that goal so that we can see that matching gift fully matched. And we can all be a part of what God is doing to give our Port Lavaca family a 24-7 home at the corner of 87 and 35 in Port Lavaca, right across the street from Bucky's. Can we do that, Parkway Church? So the plan is very simple, and this is how we do things here. We talk to God, and we say, God, what would you, like, what's my part in this multiplying our impact? What's my part in generosity so that I can be a part of what you're doing? We're going to talk to God, and you're going to commit that to the Lord. This is between you and God and no one else. You pray, and you commit to the Lord, and then you give. And we see our ministry impact multiplied because of the generosity of one that will be an inspiration to, to, for all of us to be generous. And I'm going to move on from this, but what I love about this matching gift offer is some of us wish we could give more than we can. Well, when you give over these next three months to our building campaign, you will give more than you can because your giving will be multiplied by two. Your giving will be matched. And some of us look and say, I've got margin to give more. Well, I encourage you to use this as a time to give more because your more will be matched. And I can't wait to see how God uses the little and uses the much to bring us to that home at the corner of 87 and 35 in Port Lavaca. There's an envelope in your bulletin. If you say, hey, I, I want to give today, there's an envelope in your bulletin where you can start giving to multiply our generosity and multiply our impact. You can also visit parkwaychurch.tv slash multiply for more information. Is that exciting news, Parkway Church? The other bit of family news I need to share is that we have reached a deal to sell a portion of our property here at Parkway Victoria. We have reached a deal to sell two acres on the corner of Salem and Stockbower. And this two acres, this sale, will allow us, in conjunction with Multiply, will allow us, Lord willing, to move forward with our building project in Port Lavaca, will allow us to break ground in the coming months as we look and say, every resource we have as a church, 
we give it to the Lord and we say, you use it and you use it for your glory and your benefit. So on November 10th, we're going to have a special called business meeting where we're going to talk about this deal that has been reached and where we're going to take action on that. So if you have any questions or any concerns or you want to come and vote yes, make sure and be here for November 10th at 1215. Can you see this, Parkway Church? We're about to sell two acres that will allow our church family in Port Lavaca to have a 24-7 home. Just like First Baptist gave us 14 acres that turned into 40 acres here at Salem and Stockpower, we at Parkway Victoria will be generous so that another part of our family is blessed. And I am so excited about the opportunity to do this. If you told me a month ago, that we would have a matching gift, I wouldn't have believed it. If you had told me a month ago that we would have a deal reached to sell two acres of property here at Salem and Stockpower, I wouldn't have believed it. But you know what we do as a church when God opens doors? When God opens doors, what do we do, Parkway Church? We walk with faith and we walk with obedience. When God opens a door and it seems like he's opening some doors, when God opens a door for us, what do we do? We walk right through it with the confidence that we are following God and doing our best to love and honor him. And in this case, use every resource we have for his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom and his work here on earth. So Parkway, we're going to get to see God move over these next few months in very unique ways. And we're going to all be a part of it. As we think about that, as we consider our role, let's pray together and then I'll jump into today's talk. Father, we thank you for the chance to be a part of what you're doing. And Lord, to imagine that what was done for us by First Baptist, we get to do for our family in Port Lavaca. Lord, we say thank you that one piece of land can be multiplied. At Parkway Victoria, it reaches thousands. And we're going to multiply it in Port Lavaca as well. Lord, thank you for that gift of property and thank you for that gift of a buyer. And Lord, we pray now that you would bring that sale to close as it is your will or bring that sale to an end if it's not your will. And God, I pray that you would also use all of us as we give to multiply our impact and to multiply our generosity. Lord, whether we can give a little or give a lot, I pray that we would all give as you lead us. And Father, I pray that along the way you would grow our faith and you would grow our dependence upon you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Gang, as we look at the Bible today, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. So if you brought your Bible, open up with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. And today we're going to talk about change and the fact that change is continuous. We live in a world of continual change. And there are moments when we mark changes in lives, like when a baby is born, that's a mark of a change in life. Life will never be the same. We mark moments of change like a graduation or a marriage ceremony. We mark moments of change because change is always happening. Change is continuous. As I look back in my life over the last year, there have been some significant changes. In the last year, I've lost my mom to Alzheimer's. That's a change. In the last year, my first and oldest and only son went away to college. That's a change. 
In this last year, I look back and I see that we reached dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people for Christ and their eternity was changed through our church. They've believed in Jesus and found life. That's a change. I look at this year past and I say, you know what? I've been a part of some very significant life change. What about you? How has your life changed in the last year? And then you look ahead to the next year and some of those changes are predictable. I look ahead to the next year in my life and I've got another child that would be graduating and heading off to college. That's a predictable change. It's one we celebrate. I look ahead in the next year and I see the potential of steel going up at 87 and 35. That's a change that's, that's happy to predict. But as I look at life, it's the change that I can't predict that's scary. It's the change that I can't see that wells up fear. It's the change that I can't forecast that becomes a problem. And so today, that's why I want to remind you that change isn't in charge. God is. And that change can actually be used by God to make us more like Jesus. And we're going to see that as we open our Bibles to 2 Peter 1, verse 3. Here's what the Bible says. His, design, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. One of the reasons we don't have to fear change is because God has given us by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. As you look ahead in the future and you don't know what the future holds, know this. God has given you everything you need to live a godly life in your future. As you look ahead and fear wells up because you don't know what the future holds, know this. God has given you by his divine power everything you need to live a godly life. How? Through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Because we know Jesus, because we've believed in Christ for life, because we are his sons and daughters. Last week we said that we are chosen. We said that we are a royal priesthood. We said we're a holy nation. We said we're God's special possession. Because all of that is true, God has given you everything you need to live a godly life. So I don't have to fear change. I can look forward to God making me more like Christ in the future. Keep reading 2 Peter 1 verse 4. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through him you so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world by its evil desires. Peter goes on to tell us that not only do you have everything to live a godly life but you have the promises of God and these promises of God help you, lead you, pull you away from a life that is corrupt by our evil desires. These promises of God help us participate in the divine nature, seeing God work in our lives to make us more like him. We not only have the power of God at work in our lives, the Holy Spirit, but we also have the promises of God available to all of us, the Holy Word of God. This is a knowledge of him that changes our lives. And this is a power at work in us that allows us to not have a spirit of fear, 
but instead have a spirit of power and love and self-control. This is a power at work in us that allows us to say, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that the promises of God always hold true. So I'm going to live with God no matter what the future brings. And I'm going to escape the corruption of the world. I'm going to escape the evil around me because I'm living by his power according to his promises. You see, this is why we don't have to fear change. Because God is in charge. And because God can use the changing world around us to make us look more like him. And as we look at change, I want to pull out a few facts about change from 2 Peter chapter 1. And the first one is this. Change requires effort. As you look at your life, if there's any area in your life that you want to change, you must count the cost because there is always effort that goes into change. Listen to how Peter describes it, 2 Peter 1 verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort. And now he's about to outline what we are to make every effort to do. He's about to show us the change process that God works in us. But it begins with effort. What you aren't changing, you are choosing. Let me say that again. What you aren't changing, you are choosing. And the Bible here reminds us to make every effort to live a godly life. And he's about to spell out exactly what that looks like. Change requires effort. Second, change is progressive. We're about to see the process that God uses to bring our lives from a point where we didn't know him to a point where we're loving him and loving people. From a point where we were strangers from God and then friends of God. A moment where we were enemies and now family. And it's a progression that we see. And I wish that change wasn't progressive. I wish that you could snap your fingers and change was real. Like, I wish I could say I want to lose 20 pounds and snap my fingers and that 20 pounds be gone. <laughs> nope. You know why? Because change requires effort. You know why? Because change is progressive. There are steps that I need to take that snapping fingers won't solve. You've snapped your fingers over your marriage and it's still the same. You've snapped your fingers over your kids, and they're still the same. You've snapped your fingers over your job, and it's still the same. You've snapped your fingers, and you're ignoring the fact that change is progressive. Listen to this, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And what are we going to add to our faith? We're going to add to our faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control into self-control, perseverance, into perseverance, godliness, into godliness, mutual affection, into mutual affection, love. You see the progression of spiritual change in our lives right here. You start with faith. Faith is the starting point where you and I acknowledge the fact that we are sinners who need a Savior. And we look at the Lord Jesus and we say, you are the only Savior. You're the only way to life. You died on the cross for me. They buried you. And three days later, you were raised again from the dead. 
That death that I deserved, you took my place on the cross. And that life that only you deserve, you give to all who would believe. See, that's faith. Where we begin our relationship with God. Faith is the starting point. But it is not the finish line. Faith is the beginning of change in your life when God is changing your life. Some would look and say, all you need is faith. And I don't want to undermine faith. I believe in faith. But if we say all you need is faith, what we're doing is just snapping our fingers. Because God says your faith will lead to more in your life. Your faith will lead to life change. It says add to your faith goodness. When we are believing in Jesus and walking with him, our lives should show it. And so we add to our faith goodness. And if you're a new believer in Jesus Christ, this is where you're cleaning some things up on the outside because you are so thankful for God's grace and you're making some changes. And then you add to your goodness. What do you add to your goodness? You add to your goodness knowledge. You know why you add knowledge to your goodness? Because just being good isn't going to make us godly. I need this very word of God to show me where I need to continue to grow in my goodness, where I need to continue to grow in my godliness. It's not just about me changing on the outside. It's about God adding to my faith goodness and adding to my faith knowledge. And then when I learn something, what do I do? I add to my knowledge self-control. This reminds us that for believers who are growing and changing, we don't read the Bible just to read. We read the Bible to be changed. And when I read something that says, you need to stop doing this, I need to apply self-control and stop doing this. Or I read something that says, you need to start doing this. I need to apply self-control and start doing this. So we add to our faith goodness, and to our goodness knowledge, and to our knowledge self-control, and to our self-control we add perseverance. Because this change process that's progressive is a long journey with Jesus. And so I'm not just changing for a season. I'm not just adding knowledge and self-control for a season. I am progressing in my faith for the long haul. I am persevering because this change over time is what I need. And what happens when you change over time? So you add your faith, goodness. You add your goodness, knowledge. You add your knowledge, self-control. To, to self-control, you add perseverance. And then to perseverance, you add godliness. Because if you persevere over time, living a self-controlled life, informed by God's word, driven by faith that leads to you looking and living differently, you know what your reputation is going to be? You're going to be known as a godly person. See, change is progressive. You say, Mike, I don't want to have to read my Bible and be self-controlled to be known as a godly person. I just want to snap my fingers and be known as a godly person. You cannot short-circuit God's plan for growing your faith. You can't just snap your fingers and skip a step. Perseverance with self-control over time, informed by God's word, will lead you to a godly reputation. And when you have that godly reputation, what do you add? You add affection. You add this growing sense that God not only is working in me, but God is working on my relationships, and God is making me actually like people. 
affection. And then to that, to this affection for people, what do you add? You add love. This is an unconditional agape love of God. You add this love that says, my ultimate goal and my ultimate expression in life is to love God and to love people. How many of you would look and say, I want my life to be marked by love, loving God and loving people? How many of you look and say, that's the goal of my life? If that's the goal of your life, you must work the progressive process for change. It begins with faith, and to your faith, you add goodness, and to your goodness, you add knowledge, and to your knowledge, you add self-control, and to self-control, you add perseverance, and to perseverance, you add godliness, and to godliness, you add affection, and to affection, you add love. Don't skip a step, because change is progressive. And with that challenge, I have to ask you, in the last three years, How have you seen yourself grow spiritually? How have you seen yourself live a good life because the grace of God is at work in you? How have you seen yourself submit to the word of God so that you live a self-controlled life? How have you seen yourself persevere through temptation and trials and troubles? How have you seen yourself have a reputation change? You're now known as one who's godly. How have you seen yourself grow in affection and love? And I use that three-year period again today to say, how have you grown? Last week, the question was, how have you seen yourself grow in holiness over the last three years? And I use three years as a, as a, as a picture because we should see significant change in our lives over a three-year period of time. If you have a two-year-old right now, you're in the midst of the terrible twos. They are throwing fits. They are like, you're wondering, why is this kid so much like my husband? You're like, this kid is bad, right? And you're like, are they ever going to get through it? Well, as one who's been there, yes, they will get through it. And stop blaming your husband. That two-year-old you have right now, three years from now, he or she is going to be five. And they're going to be getting on a bus, going to school with their backpack on. And they're going to be this little independent version of you. And you're going to be so proud of them. You're going to be amazed that that one that was two years old and throwing a fit just three years ago is now able to pop on that bus and make it all the way to school and to get through a day and to look forward to seeing you at the end of the day. You're going to be amazed. That 13-year-old that you have, they're throwing a fit. They're horrible to deal with. You're wondering, why are they so much like my husband? Well, three years from now, they're going to have a job. And they're going to be driving. And they're going to be looking with real eyes on how they can leave your house. And that's a good thing. See, that three-year period really matters. So my question to you, You're not a two-year-old, and you're not a 13-year-old. But my question to you, are you seeing yourself progress from being a baby in the Lord to being a child in the Lord? Are you seeing yourself progress from being a child in the Lord to being a teenager in the Lord? Are you seeing yourself progress from being a teenager in the Lord to being an adult? 
one who's mature in their faith. What type of progression have you seen? It all begins with faith, but it doesn't end there because change is progressive. So change requires effort. Change is progressive. Third, change builds upon change. And when we stop changing, we're going to see here in just a moment from the Bible. When we stop changing, we forget all that God has done for us. When we stop changing, we forget what God has done for us, and we forget what God wants to do in us. Listen to how Peter writes it. He says, if you possess these qualities, and which qualities is he talking about? Faith and goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and love and affection. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I believe about all of us. We all want to be effective and we all want to be productive in our walk with Jesus. I don't think any of us look and say, my goal in life is to be ineffective and unproductive to the glory of God. I don't think anybody woke up this morning and said, God, would you make me less effective and less productive for you in Jesus' name? None of us did that. We all desire to be effective and productive. Why aren't we? It's because we forget that change builds upon change. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Peter looks and says, if you have these qualities, because change builds upon change, if you have these qualities in increasing measure, you'll be productive and effective in your faith. If you don't, you are both blind and forgetful. And you've forgotten what God has done in you. Sometimes my family looks at me like they're afraid that there's going to come a day when I am blind and forgetful. And they do this out of love and sarcasm. But they look at me in a way like there's going to be a day when we're going to have to take care of you. There's going to be a day where we are in charge. So you better be nice to us now. Do you realize that in our faith, we don't have to look ahead to that future. And my kids really don't think there's going to be a day when I'm that forgetful and that blind. But let's just say the readers are growing in intensity. <laughs> but aren't you glad we don't have to look forward to the future with fear and say, am I going to be forgetful, Lord? Am I going to be blind to your activity? No, I'm not. Because I am adding to my faith and I'm adding to my knowledge and I'm adding to the progression of change in my life. Change builds upon change. And then last one. We change to reach goals. As you look at the change in your life and the ability of you to be one who follows God no matter what comes in the world around you, we change to reach our goals. 
The other day I was hanging out with some friends and they were talking about some of their goals. They were talking about the fact that they are setting goals in their health. And so they're running like these mini marathons and they're running up Ironman and they're, they're doing all of this running and athletic stuff. And they, they've got some goals and they just kept talking about goal, 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 goal. And it all revolved around running and health and weightlifting. And I was thinking to myself, I got to get some new friends. But do you realize that we only change when we set a goal? And some of us look and say, we've got some goals in our life. Financially, we want to be debt-free. Health-wise, we want to be belly-free. Relationship-wise, we want to be drama-free. We only change when we set a goal. But what goals does God want for us to chase? What goals does God want us to chase as we see him at work in our life? We're about to learn three goals that God wants us to chase. The first one, he wants us to confirm our calling. Second, he wants us to live a life that is stumble-free. And he wants us to live a life where we anticipate and look forward to our eternal welcome from the Lord Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says here. This is so challenging. 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. There's that word again. We don't work for our salvation. That is by faith and faith alone. But once we are saved by our faith in God's grace, once we're saved, there's a lot of work to do. In fact, the Bible says that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We've got such an awe and respect for God that we put great effort into living out our faith. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. We know that God has called us by name, and we know that God has elected us to be his children and to look like his son. We know that. And God says here through Peter, therefore make every effort to confirm it and make every effort to do this. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Wow, Peter sets the bar high. He says, in this world that's forever changing, and this church was being persecuted because of their faith. This church was paying a personal price because they believed in Jesus. In this world, you're gonna make every effort to confirm your calling and your election, and you're gonna strive. You're gonna reach for, you're gonna go for the life where you never stumble. Why is it that we as believers today like to set the bar low when the Bible sets the bar high? And this is one of those moments where Peter sets the bar high for us as believers. We ask the question, how much can I sin and still be saved? And Peter brings the command and says, you need to live in such a way that you effort, so that you express your effort to confirm your calling and election so that you never stumble. He raises the bar high. Right now, y'all are looking at me like I'm Joe Buck talking about the Astros. Right now, y'all are looking at me like this man is crazy and I do not want to listen to him anymore. But why is it? And I'm going to ask you one more time. Why is it that we like to live with a low bar when the Bible raises the bar for you and for me? If we set a goal, we may as well set a goal that's in line with Scripture, in line with, with 
us living out our faith in a way that stretches us and changes us. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of the goals of your life is to look forward to that embrace from the Lord Jesus. Heaven is our reward. Heaven is God's gift to us. Heaven is life forever with him. Make it your ambition as I make it mine to live your life in such a way that you confirm your calling and your election. Make it your goal. Make it your life where you look and say, I want to live a life where the bar is raised high. Never stumble. Be holy as I am holy is my goal. Now, thankfully, the grace of God is there to forgive us and to cleanse us of unrighteousness when we fail. But I'm going to make it my goal to live in such a way that I'm looking forward to the warm embrace of my Savior, Jesus Christ. So before we finish up and pray, I've got two questions for you that that pierced me this week. And here's the first one. Am I living in the comfort of my calling Or am I making every effort to confirm it? Believer in Jesus Christ, are you living in the comfort of your calling? Or are you making every effort to confirm it? To show it, to live it, to grow in it? Second question. Am I simply enjoying my election? Or am I making every effort to confirm it? Am I simply enjoying the fact that I've been chosen by God to be his son or daughter? Am I simply enjoying the fact that God has a plan for me, that that everything can make me more like Jesus? Am I simply enjoying the fact that I've been elected by God? Or am I making every effort to confirm it? You see, God's calling isn't here just to make us comfortable. It's here to change us. And our election to be his sons or daughters isn't just so that we will know we're his, but it's so that we will look more and more like him over time. Friends, change is real. And there's a process that change that God wants to bring into your life so that in a changing world, you change to look more and more like him. So today, I just have one simple question. What's your next step? For some of you, you need to believe and find life today. For some of you, you believe and haven't been baptized, and you need to go public with your faith through baptism immediately after this service. We've got shorts and shirts and towels and everything you need to go public with your faith. What's your next step? Is there an area of believer in Jesus where you've grown stagnant in your faith? You have stopped changing, so you have stopped growing. Is there a place in your life, believer in Jesus, where you haven't moved to that next step, faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, affection, and love. Have you grown stagnant and allowed yourself to be stuck in one of those spots? Take your next step today, and we can do it together as we pray. Father, I thank you for the chance to open your word, to learn, and to grow together today. God, I pray that you help us as we look to apply your truth to our life. And God, I pray that you would change us over time. Lord, I pray that you would change us 
as we take our next steps. Church, as we pray, maybe as a believer in Jesus, you need to just admit that you've stopped changing. We read the word of God so that the word of God changes us. Perhaps in this moment, you need to just simply commit to the Lord to continue to change. To continue to chase after him. Maybe you have grown comfortable in your calling. Maybe you have grown comfortable in your election. Maybe there's a spurring of God today that says, I'm not here to be comfortable. I'm here to be changed. And I'm here to be an agent of change in the lives of others. Church, as you pray, for those that have never believed in Jesus for life, I encourage you to make today your day. The Lord Jesus died in your place and was raised again to prove that he's God and to offer you life. The Lord Jesus looks and says to, to all who would believe, believe in me and I will give you life. A new life here on earth and life forever in heaven with me. If today's your day to believe, let's mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.